Alrighty, we are back. Your boy Jovan is back with another episode of Weight Room Overtime. And as you can see today, we do have another special guest. I think we always will. And this is Jordan Hilmick. And we'll dive into the episode here. But today we're going to talk about you know his you know career path, how he ended up being a college coach. I actually played with Jordan at Eastern Oregon, along with Stan from my last episode. So it's cool to see kind of where everybody involved. But um, without further ado, I want to introduce Jordan. Jordan, how you doing, brother? Doing well. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. It's a little late, but hey, we got work to do, and we are here. So hey, we. Yeah, thank you for joining today. I know we have a lot of people that are going to benefit from this episode today. So. Welcome. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I think you've got a great program going on. Uh, you know, uh, you had Stan in the last episode, and why not keep that EOU connection going on where we all met? Yeah, they talk about EOU, right? What a, what a crazy story. So me and Jordan, for those who do not know, Jordan was actually a keeper. He was a goalie, and um, we ended up playing, was it 2015? 2015, yeah. 2015, um, at East Oregon in the Grand, and we were the first ever team at Eastern Oregon for a men's soccer program. And I, I don't know, I'm humbled because I can look back at that for the rest of my life and be like, dude, we created that program. And you know, there's a bunch of memories and hopefully we get to go back soon and play the, the youngsters. But <laughs> what, did, what did you think, what did you think, man, coming in? I know you were from, where were you? From? I, I'm from Pendleton, just over the mountain from, from La Grande. Um, yeah, no, dude, that was, a, that was a blast being a part of that first year program. Like a lot of firsts, I mean, and we, you know, kind of wrote the book. Like we didn't have anything to go off of. The program didn't exist before, you know, we got there. And every day was something new. But you know, we ended up creating that brotherhood, and that was that was a blast. Like I look back on it, and I'm like, I wouldn't have changed those years for anything. So what did what did you think of like Legrand, like into um, when when looking at a program like Legrand? How did you find about you know Eastern Oregon? Was that on top of your mind, or how did you find out? Yeah, so it actually wasn't my first school that I went to. I went to Walla Walla University. Um, at, straight out of high school, there there was no men um, or male uh, male athlete from the soccer program at Pendleton High School who who went to play at the next level, so I, I kind of had to figure it out for myself. And So I went to Walla Walla University. I had three different college tryouts, but they were the ones that really felt like, this is home. This is where, you know, I'm meant to be, you know, kind of that next level, that really home feeling. Uh, you know, I'm a small town kid, so I wanted to keep kind of that that feel. Um, the coach, you know, really made me feel welcome. And honestly, that's kind of even what I modeled, you know, what what I wanted at EOU to be the same. And, and Stan did that for us. He made it feel like that family atmosphere and what I even do for, for my team now. But, um, so I went to Walla Walla, uh, played for a year and had a great time. But you know, at the end of the day, I didn't want to pay uh, $30,000 a year to go to school. Um, ended up choosing a much cheaper, more affordable option at EOU. And I mean, I'd been to LeGrand for, you know, a, a ton of years because it's just over the mountain, you know, you take day trips with the family and growing up in the youth soccer system, you know, we always played LeGrand. So I went to EOU and at the time they didn't have the men's program. I actually went there for a full like year and a half before they, you know, started anything. But, you know, they started signing us and, uh, Man, the rest is history. You, uh, how did you know about the program though? Were there like announcements throughout the, like the school, or how did you know? Like, obviously, the, the kind of talks of becoming a program kind of was already in the works at the time of the school, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was already at EOU when um, the the program was announced that it you know was coming to fruition and um, that Stan was the new uh, the first coach and he started signing and but Stan didn't live in the area at the time. He actually was still in Portland coaching at Westside. 
And so I actually got my big break because I knew the current coach, Jesse Watson. And Jesse was like, hey, man, this dude's a keeper. We need a keeper. We, you know, he's from local. He's already here. Why not? And uh, then the women's coach at the time, Justin Wager, um, Stan contacted him and was like, hey, I don't know anything about this kid. Invite him to a girl's practice and have your girls just like just shoot on him 100 times. And let's see what he does. And so Justin, uh, between Justin and Jesse, they, they got me on the men's team. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, that uh, – having to try out in front of a coach that wasn't even your coach, but you had to impress him in order to get on the team. That was probably one of the toughest things I've ever done. Yeah. I guess that's, dude, I didn't even know that. So yeah. that's news to me, you know, um, that's crazy. Uh, shout out to Jesse and, and Justin. If they're, if they're going to watch this, um, great coaches, especially Justin had a great phenomenal program when we were there too. Oh, yeah. Obviously that program was already established kind of like the boys. Now I think they're pretty strong now compared to, you know, when we started, but, um, it was crazy because when I first found out about EOU, I was actually at Washington State. And I had played with Freddie, Edgar, and um, Ozzy already at CBC before transferring to Washington State. Because my, my idea when I was an athlete, I was like, I'm going to play, see where I can get. And then eventually I was like, I'm just going to focus on school. So I ended up transferring. Dude, and, and like, these guys came to visit me one day and they were like, and this is, this is when they were at... Because I played at CBC with them for their their freshman year, and then so I was already I was already older than them, so I already had to play a year. So they still had another year eligibility left, and then I left, and then they visited me, right? And they're like, "Hey, we're actually looking to go play at <coughs> school." This is Ozzy. Ozzy convinced me. <laughs> of course, it was Ozzy. Yeah, it was Ozzy. And then um, Ozzy hit me up at the time when we were at a bar in, in Washington State, and he's like, "Hey, dude, this this is a new program." I know the coach. I don't know how you met Stan, but um, I guess they were recruiting, so they were looking for players to go, you know, add to the program. And so, dude, yeah, one day, <laughs> Ozzy's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go on a visit. Do you guys all want to come?" And so, dude, no shit, me, Freddie, <laughs> and Edgar all went to the ground one time, and basically met Stan. This is when Stan had like, just arrived there for a couple weeks. Yeah. And we basically show them our, our, you know, where we played at and stuff like that, and. Eventually, we ended up getting on the team, which is kind of, kind of a crazy story because I had, like, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm done playing, you know, I'm just going to focus on school. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is kind of that's funny. I mean, kind of like you and I kind of had the similar stories. Like we'd kind of already checked out. I mean, when I went left Wall Wall to go to UU, I didn't even know they were having a program. I was like, I was done. I hung up the boots. I did my time. Like, I'm content. And then the program starts up and you're like, I'll give it another run. Why not? Yeah, I still got it. <laughs> uh, okay, so you you ended up going. You were there at school already, and then eventually you tried out through the through the women's program. And then um, obviously I met you kind of later in the preseason there. But yeah. um, dude, from from your experience, I guess experience in the in the CCC Collegiate, uh, what is it? Uh, the Cascade Collegiate Conference. Cascade. Yeah. The Cascade Collegiate Conference. Um, dude, what are your thoughts on it? Obviously, you're coaching in a different you know, league or conference, right? Because it's a whole different yeah. you know, community college compared to the, you know, CCC or, or a bigger conference. What do you think the major differences are between, obviously, soccer, the game of soccer is not going to change, right? Yeah. Uh, the players might evolve, right? And then the tactics, but as far as, like, the actual, you know, competitiveness, what do you think is the major difference between both? Yeah, no, you know, looking back on it, and uh, it's funny because I tell the uh, the girls every day because I'm the women's coach here, and even when I, I'm a guest coach with our guys program here, the biggest thing that I would tell them from, you know, 
when we played at the NAIA and at EOU, you know, to the four-year level, to the two-year level, it's it's that maturity on the ball. It's the decision making. It's you know the ability to process that information and um, you know in a much quicker level. I mean, and at the four-year level, um, I mean, you make a mistake. You know, you have a bad touch or a bad pass, and those guys are going to pounce on you like you're gone. You're getting scored on. They're coming right back down your throat immediately. I mean, I I was a recipient of that. I remember I I screwed up one time at a. I think we were at Walla Walla CC for a preseason game, and I freaking took a, a kick on my left foot, and I'm like, I got to clear this ball. Nope, I screwed that sucker up, and it comes right back down on me. But but you learn from those mistakes, and I learned quickly at the four-year level. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I can't can't be doing that anymore. And and similar, what I tell the guys and girls here is that at the four-year level, it's it's that it's that processing, it's that decision making, it's. You know, the the least amount of mistakes, we don't make a lot ton of mistakes at the four-year level, or if we do, we're quick to correct them. Um, and, I mean, that's the next level. I mean, you cannot go much higher at the four-year level than, I mean, once you're at NAI, NCAA, I mean, professionals come from all different walks of life, whether you're in the NAI or the NCAA, and um, I, it's crazy, man. It's, it's just that consistency, I would say, is the biggest difference, that those four-year players and how you get from being just a community college athlete to the four years, just consistency, maturity, the decision-making, and, and it's putting in the time when your coaches aren't there. Uh, it's yeah. in the weight room. It's on the field. I mean, it's you can go out there, and you don't even need anyone with you when you need to just juggle a ball for 30 minutes, and that just works on touch. Um, yeah. Honestly, simple enough right there. So I forgot to ask the, the viewers and the people that are listening to this, whatever platform they're on, but... Um, tell us a little bit where you're at today. Obviously, I didn't think I mentioned where, where he's coaching. Um, he is in Pendleton. I'll let him talk a little bit about you know what the school's all about. You know what what conference they're in, and usually who they play. So, Jordan, what school where you're at today? Yeah, so I'm at Blue Mountain Community College over here in Pendleton, Oregon. Um, we're a small little two-year college here um, in, in rural Eastern Oregon. Uh, part of the Northwest Athletic Conference East Division. So the teams that we play in our division um, are Treasure Valley Community College, Columbia Basin Community College, where Jovan uh, met Ozzie, Edgar, um, and Freddie. And then we also play Yakima, Wenatchee, Spokane, North Idaho. Um, yeah, that's, and Walla Walla. Yeah, so there's about eight teams. And then they actually just announced that two more teams are joining the NWAC starting next fall so they'll have to decide what division so one of them being big bend which will probably end up joining our division to put us at nine is that, is that moses lake yeah the moses lake yep yeah. i figured yeah so the, the uh columbia gorge over in the dells oh wow I didn't yeah know yeah so I, I mean i don't think they're very big but they're starting men's and women's soccer is it next year or 2022 but they'll have to decide if they want to join the south division or the east division and I mean, they still got time to decide, but that'll be interesting. If they choose the East, it's going to be, make for a really long drive for some of those teams. Yeah. Um, dude, that's crazy because you're in the middle of a good conference because mm -hmm. when you're talking about a school like Treasure Valley, when I played, Treasure Valley was pretty damn good when we played them. Yeah. Um, always a fight, I think, for the most part. I think that's, that's the, kind of what they're known for. Yeah. Fighting. Shout out to the Boise people out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then there's, I actually played at Walla Walla my first year, uh, right after high school. Um, so I ended up playing in two schools in NWAC, which was CDC and Walla Walla. So I played a, basically two good programs, um, and then eventually transferred out. But that's, that's good to hear, man. So women's and 
men's, you said you coach, right, right? Yeah, so I'm the head women's soccer coach, and then um, I help out with the guys um, from time to time. Um, but then I also am the student athlete success coach here at Blue Mountain Community College. So I, I handle all of the eligibility, the registration, um, essentially anything the student athletes need. Um, going on here at the school to know the ins and outs of. Uh, my job is to help them kind of guide them through that pathway and help them along, you know, just their whole journey through here. And then long after, I still have athletes that are at their four-year colleges that still contact me asking, you know, how does financial aid work? What do I need to do this? How's this paperwork? You know, and um, so however athletes need to go and, you know, get their answers and help them, I'm, I'm there for them 100% of the way. So you're like the backbone of the athletes out there, huh? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's cool, man. So. I'm going to ask you this. So what, obviously, you played, you finished school. What got you into coaching? I know you were getting into coaching my last year at EOU. I know you were getting into transitioning, getting your licenses and stuff like that. Yeah. What was your thought process behind that? Like, what, what made you want to coach? And what made you, you know, go through the licenses portion? Because that's a whole different thing. Because, you know, growing up when I played, I had coaches that weren't licensed. They, they weren't educated. They just knew the game soccer. It was like, yeah. Teach them, right? And there's a lot of that going on across the country, unfortunately. Um, and so I get it. Sometimes parents can't afford the coaches or can't afford to pay for a program, which is which is fine, right? So that's kind of what I'm doing this for to help people out understand, you know, what all goes into it. As Jordan mentioned, he does a lot of stuff for student athletes, even when they even left the program, they reach back out to them. So there's a lot of things that happen in the back end that most people don't realize. Uh, for example, what I do is you know program a lot of the the strength and conditioning, you know, workouts, you know, for the year, how that, that's going to plan out based off their seasons and, and stuff like that. Which is a whole other story, but um, Jordan, what, what did you? What made you decide to go into coaching? Yeah, no, I mean, there was a point I remember in my career um, at EOU. I, I, I mean, I had terrible knees. That was probably the one thing that really dragged me down and ended up having to make a decision that I wasn't going to be able to con continue on and keep playing, you know, at that highest level I wanted to. But I still wanted to be involved in the game. Like, you know, we, much like you and I, like. We, I mean, we're, we have this passion and this love for the game that, you know, we still want to be involved in some way, shape or form, even though our, our time is done, you know, and we can't play, you know, quite, you know, we can't play college anymore, which is, which is sad. So I was like, how do, how can I still be around the game and how can I still maybe make an impact on those that still want to continue to play, um, much like those that helped me along the way. And so I remember in between my time from Walla University to Eastern Oregon University, I actually ended up. Uh, driving back and forth between Pendleton and LeGrand, and I was uh, the assistant high school coach for my high school that I, I went to. Um, ended up doing that for about a year, year and a half, and it was a good time, but it, it, I mean, I wanted a little bit more, right? You want your own program. Um, ended up, after finishing playing at EOU, I ended up having to take a medical retirement. My knees and everything just, just shot. And um, so I ended up becoming the um, JV head coach over at LeGrand High School. Ended up, you know, trying to implement and practice and put in the things that I learned and that I learned from from Stan, from Jesse, from Justin, from you know all my coaches growing up, and put those into into practice. And like, you know, is this something I want to do? Is this the next you know phase of my game? And ended up being really successful. And and you know, I absolutely loved it. I, I love the ability to to take athletes, you know, from where they're at now to to you know push them a little bit farther, educate them on maybe things they they didn't know about themselves, and maybe you know dig a little deeper about that inspiration and and that passion of the game. And along the way, Stan actually you know definitely was one of the the key mentors in my life. As same with Jesse, and um, they helped get me out to Los Angeles to Philadelphia. Uh, through the United Soccer Coaches, um, which used to be the NCSA, which was the National Soccer Coaches Association. 
um, and ended up, you know, going to learn from the coaches from Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. I mean, it was an absolutely amazing time. And, you know, being around people that just talk soccer, talk sports and, and, and weightlifting and exercise and sports nutrition. I mean, all of it, it's like addicting. It's like a drug and, and I couldn't get enough of it. And it was the absolute greatest thing that happened in my career. And I, I, I wanted more of it. And so after EOU and after my time there, uh, spending a little bit longer time with the program in 2018, I, I got a call to from BMCC that they were relaunching their program and wanted wanted some help to you know get it back off the ground and, and start it up correctly. And I had a chance to come back home. And isn't that what we all kind of wish, you know, back in our hometowns to coach our, our, our college programs. And I took it and I absolutely, absolutely love it. It is possibly the greatest place I, I could have chosen. The girls are amazing. The programs continue to rise. I mean, it's that, it's that family atmosphere that, you know, we grew up in at EOU. And I mean, to know that, that you've got people there cheering you on and uh, a, a program that continues to be competitive each year, we've gotten better and better, which is what you want to see. You want to see growth and you, you want to see athletes have that passion and that hunger for, for more and that desire to be the best they possibly can be. And that's, that's all I've wanted. I, I absolutely love every minute of it. Yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. So um, one thing I want to ask you, so how long have you been uh, in CC? This will be my third year. So what's the major difference you've seen from that first year to now? So that first year back in 2018, yeah, no, that first year in 2018, so I actually didn't get to recruit any of those players. Um, I was hired super late, came in, and I actually met the girls and got to see them play the very first day of practice, which as a coach and a new coach, I mean, is partially terrifying, right? You have no idea what you're walking into, um, but you know what had happened the year before. You do your homework a little bit, obviously, before taking a job. Um, and coming in, I mean, those girls back then, they were just happy to be on the field. I mean, they, they came from all walks of life, whether they, you know, some were definitely skilled and some, you know, needed some, you know, fundamentals and coaching up and just some mentoring. I mean, they were, they, they definitely had the hunger. They just weren't necessarily all completely there, but they definitely had the ability to be good. Uh, I mean, they, they definitely had no lack of fight. I mean, they definitely fought for 90 minutes, regardless of what the score was and the outcome. And, and it's that work ethic that really separated them from the, probably the rest of the people that they, they played against. I mean, they were, they were going to outwork teams. They weren't necessarily the most skilled team by any means, but they were going to outwork them um, or give it you know, their best effort. And that's exactly what you, you wanted to see. Now, looking at it now into year two, I mean, it, it, night and day, we, I was able to bring in my first recruiting class and it was skilled. It wasn't necessarily the best team chemistry, but I brought in more skilled players and kind of took it, you know, from where we were that first year, a little bit better. It's like, okay, we're kind of there, but not quite yet. Not exactly what I want. You know, I want that true family that actually looks after each other with still that first year group, like that tireless work ethic, you know, and, and can they just have a hunger for this game? And looking into this year, I've got that. I've got the family, the group. These girls are absolutely amazing. They care for each other. They're constantly hanging out, you know, as much as we possibly can in a COVID world and, and, and doing what they can safely. I mean, they are constantly in the weight room. They are doing the extra steps to be better. They're on the field constantly um, spending, you know, a practice three, four hours a day. I mean, this group is absolutely one of my favorites to coach and, and just add an absolute joy to be around, really. So you mentioned you got your first recruiting class and obviously it's getting better. What is something... For, for the viewers that are watching, if you're a girl and you know looking to play in college, um, what are some of the things that you look for, whether that's a regional place that you mostly recruit out of, or is it skill, or 
what obviously grades are going to matter in any, yeah. any school that you go to, but um, what as far as like soccer wise, what is it something that you're looking for in these athletes that you're looking to bring onto your program? No, absolutely. I mean, and for me, I don't necessarily even just look for one region that I'm more fond or particular to. Uh, I mean, I've had athletes from Hawaii, Washington, Oregon, you know, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Utah, California. I mean, it's a whole mix of different people, right? And they can come from wherever. Some come from extremely deep club backgrounds that have a wealth of knowledge and, you know, great coaching and, and all the top level soccer that you ask for, right, that you see everyone get. But then I've had athletes that have only played rec soccer all their entire lives, but they were those ones that have that that work ethic that is, yes, I know I might not be the most skilled. I might not have had all of the, you know, the trainings and the, and the private coaches and all this different stuff that you had growing up, but can you outwork them? You know, I've seen girls, and I mean, you and I both know, we've seen players that we've played against that are less skilled, but are going to outwork me 100%, and they're going to use every bit of their... Uh, every bit of them that they've got to, to be the best person on that field. And some of those are the most dangerous players because they don't have a fundamental skill set that is predictable, right? When, when you've been playing long enough, you see you see the moves come ahead. You see the chip. You see the shot. But when you get a raw soccer player, like a raw athlete, that's even more terrifying because they're unpredictable. Um, and, and they're hungry. And, I mean, I even know... I mean, you see some professionals on TV and they have that like kind of background that's like, oh, he started playing soccer as a freshman in high school or a junior in high school or something like that. But they're just raw and they have a, an athletic ability that they just want more of it. So for me, what I'm looking for athletes is, or just I'm recruiting, you know, through the, through the grapevine is, one, obviously, I mean, it's your grades. I mean, what's going to get you to continue to play is grades because that's going to show me a lot of things, both of your abilities on the field and off the field as far as work ethic. If you can't get the grades, you're not going to cut it in college because this is, I think some people forget this, is that you guys are student athletes, not athlete students. And I think that's easy to forget, I mean, especially nowadays. I mean, we, we want to play our sport so bad, but we sacrifice the, our, our abilities in the classroom. Um, what I'm also looking for is, you know, can you get along with people around you? Because you are going to end up spending, you know, a, as you and I both know, pretty much every day, multiple hours a day with the exact same group of people. Um, and, you know, from weightlifting early mornings or even late at nights to, to two to three hours of practice and then your study halls and everything else. I mean, you, you hopefully better be along to get, get along with people. You know, and do can you continue to grow? I mean, when you come in day one to when you leave at the end of my end of your two years here at BMCC, can you tell me honestly that you want to grow and become a better person? Can you give me a list of things that you want to continue to learn and and to get better at? And trust me, we have a coaching staff that's going to spend every waking moment of our free time to help to get you to that next level. You know, we have. We have a ball launcher called Toka that's going to be able to help you work on that first touch. I mean, the coach is going to be in there, and we want to see your abilities, you know, both on the field, off the field. And, I mean, there's so many different aspects that I think people forget about. It's not just your soccer skills. Like, yes, those are important, and we want to know that you can properly pass, trap, and kick a ball, right? But And we can teach you some other things along the way, but ultimately, you know, do you have the work ethic to be better? Do you want to be better? Because if you don't want it, I can't make you want it. And at the end, and you know, second, I mean, show me that passion and that love for the game because you better have it. Because being a college athlete, that's a full time job, and it's 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 exhausting. Your your body's got to be able to keep going when your mind says you know that's enough. I think you made a great point when it comes to 
the student athlete portion of it because looking back at it when I was an athlete and when you're an athlete you don't think about these kind of things because all you care about is hanging out with friends and, and playing and traveling and, and being in practice and stuff like that but there's a lot of other stuff that needs to go or has to you know kind of work hand in hand together to be able to be the best I guess in, in your sport along with the grades so um, there's many times and I've seen it not necessarily at EOU but other schools where People don't get they don't get to play that weekend because their instructor or their you know their their teacher um, you know said that you know this guy failed his exam and it's not doing very well or anything like that and then the coaches find out and I'm not sure Jordan how much you know about you know your, your the, the teachers or instructors at you know BMCC how much they're involved into athletics as well because if you don't pass that class or anything like that obviously Jordan's gonna be the first one to <laughs> and then obviously Jordan has his own way of dealing with stuff but. Um, it, it is crazy how much goes into it, whether that's waking up at 6 a.m. going to weights, yep. then you got to go to, uh, if you need to go to a trainer for recovery, if you need to go, you know, to class and then take lunch and then another class and then you go to, you know, prep, prep for, for training and then again, you go study. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and, and you have to be focused. I think something that I lacked was, um, and, and, and this was early in my years, was I was just young and I just wanted to play and hang out with my roommates, you know, just video games, whatever it was, and then we'd go and party, obviously that's gonna, it's gonna happen because you're in college, but uh, as I matured, you start to realize, hey, I'm just gonna chill out, I got a game tomorrow or anything like that. Yep. How much of that do you see going on today? Obviously it's gonna happen, right? Because obviously you, you're coaching girls too, right? So yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, how, how much goes into it, it from what you see from, from a coach now? Because you, you play, you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. You're on the, yeah, you're on the other side. How, how do you kind of like, oh, I understand what you're, you know, going through, but then also like, hey, keep your head on the swivel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny to think about, I mean, think about where you and I, bro, like, yeah. That was only in like 2015, end of 20 or that 2016 season. Like that wasn't even that long ago. We went through all that, and so now looking at the other side of it as a coach, it's like I remember I, I still frequently I sit down with the athletes and even my own team, and you know we all have moments where it's not our our brightest shining moment. You know, it's not we make mistakes. We're young, and you know I'm coaching 17, 18, 19 year olds, and. And I mean, they're young. We're, I mean, much like, I mean, you and I, we were still in 2015, we were younger than when we are now. And, you know, but as we got older and more mature and much, I, when I sit down with the girls, I'm like, look, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have a moment that does not define you. This moment doesn't define you. I, we, you, I, the school, these people, we know who you are and we all have these moments. Now you've got those people who are never going to make a mistake. And does that define them? No, they, we don't know what they do in their personal lives. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you look at it, and if I had one advice for, for everyone growing up is like, look, it is okay to make mistakes. We, we all do it. And I mean, I remember even growing up, one of my faults was, is I was a terrible for procrastinator. I was absolutely awful. I'm the person who's going to write that paper or whatnot that, that the day before it's due. And I, I was, I was terrible about that. As I got older, I realized this is not fun waiting to do a paper the night before, you know, I'd rather just you chill out, prepare for the game the next day. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, just get the homework done, get it turned in, be able to hang out with my roommates or my teammates or anything like that and just prepare for the game the next day or practice or, you know, whatever's going on. And, you know, college goes by super quick. I mean, it's gone and by in the blink of an eye. And looking back on it, I mean, that was only a handful of years ago for us. And it, it feels like it was almost so long ago. 
And I, I mean, I, I miss it, but I know at the same time when I talk to the girls, it's like, look, this moment doesn't define you. We all make mistakes, but learn from it and be able to utilize these lessons that you can learn both now and, and later in life. How can you mature from this and how can you learn from it without repeating the same mistakes? Because yes, there's a point where if you make the same mistake over and over, I mean, you're not, you're not learning any lessons, you're developing bad habits. And, and it goes also for the field. Like, you know, you're playing soccer out there and you have a bad trap. Okay, am I learning from it? Can I fix it next time? Or are you gonna keep making that same mistake over and over and over again? Or, you know, can you learn from this moment? Um, and, and honestly, I think that's what defines, you know, the, the college athletes from anything is that you gotta learn. You gotta learn from, the, from that moment. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned earlier too, you had, you said you had, um, multiple, you know, players from different walks of life, obviously some rich, some poor, some spoiled, some, you know, money, no money. I've seen it. Like we were athletes, you yeah, know, yeah. Noticed. how do you, how do you, you know, build that camaraderie or how do you like build that team? So they don't see it that way in a sense. Cause I, I know <laughs> like think about it now, you don't, you don't necessarily care about all you care about is like, is he good at playing or does he play? Yeah. But I think something I learned through school um, is there environmental factors that come into play, not only psychologically, yeah. um, like how, how much of that kind of stuff, like that problems back home or girlfriend or whatever, school or whatever, how much does that kind of affect their performance in a sense? Because I'm sure as a coach, you could probably tell who's having a bad week or who's not doing so well in school with it, which is, again, relaying into practice or the games. Do you see that often or, or, I mean, how do you combat that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I see it a lot. I mean, especially coaching girls. I mean, and just as a coach and as a former player, you know, you're, you're keen to pick up on those those rough days, right? I mean, we all had them in those days where, I mean, things just aren't working out well. You know, you've got home life that's not going well, personal life. I mean, and especially now in this COVID world that we've been going through, I mean, for our college athletics of what the girls, I mean, they haven't been home since December. I mean, they're not allowed to leave. We're in a quarantine bubble. I mean, they, they, if they do, they get tested or they get put back into a two-week quarantine. And so for them, the life at home continues to go on. And they, and they, I mean, obviously make phone calls and FaceTimes and Zoom calls to their families and to say hi and, you know, and, and to keep in touch as best they can. But I mean, life happens. And that's what I, I try and sit them down and get them to understand is like, look, we all have bad days. Okay. And that's, that is tough. I, there's days where you just want to crawl into bed and you don't want to do anything, but you have to find the motivation to continue to carry on and break out of that funk or that bad habit or whatever the case might be. I mean, I went through that too in college. I mean, those wintertime blues are, that's a real thing. And it's, I mean, we're in the, probably the most crazy mental health crisis that's probably ever happened just within this past year. We're almost basically out of year since the world shut down in COVID. And, um, you know, I, I, it's insane to think that everyone's going to get out of this, you know, just unscathed or, you know, um, without any effects, but continue to live life and continue to, to build up and to do, you know, be a better person for sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that we all want to learn lessons from here and how do I, how do I get the girls to build into this? Because like I mentioned, I mean, you got to spend pretty much every day, 365, 24 seven with this team, right? I mean, you, you hopefully better get along and it creates that family. So how do I create this family in this team? I mean, it's, it's multiple ways. It's it's from team bonding trips. We go up to the lakes or to the cabins. You know, it, it's also getting them to realize that we come from all different walks of life. You know, we do the, um, the, the privilege walk where we walk through and understand. I just read off a very blanket statement like, you know, if you grew up in a, in a divided home, take a step forward. And by the end of the privilege walk, they understand like, hey, take a look around. 
you all came from different walks of life, you know, all different cultures, all different, wherever you came from, different states, different ethnicities, all that stuff. But look where you are now. You're all college soccer players. And that is something that no one can take away from you. I mean, to be, I mean, a, a community college athlete, that's a top 7% of athletes in the entire nation. I mean, that's something to tip your hat to. I mean, absolutely kudos to you. You were doing what a lot of other athletes can't do and didn't do. Um, and to continue Sorry. continue on that path, it's even more elite. I mean, at the four-year level and get to the NAIA or the NCAA or even to the professional level, you're talking about smaller and smaller percentages. And what we do with the girls very early on, um, one of our traditions we start um, is actually their first day, and it's called the letter. And it, it's not just to build the camaraderie and the team chemistry now and with their own teammates, but to understand there were girls that came before you guys, girls that wore your jerseys, girls that wore your numbers, at, who bled, sweat, I mean, put every bit of their heart on that field and left it out there. And that's what I ask my players day in and day out is that I'm going to give you everything I got. I mean, you and I both know, I mean, I, much like you do with me and I do with you and much like any of the boys back in from 2015, 16, and even to now into the program, I mean, we're brothers. We, we got each other's back. And same thing with these girls. Like, you guys are sisters. Understand that this goes so much deeper than what you just see here. And so with this letter, when they arrive, when they walk into their locker room, sitting on the top shelf of their locker is just a simple letter, and it's addressed to whatever number they're currently wearing, right? So, I mean, if you're number 10, you're going to see a letter addressed to number 10. And inside that letter, when you open up, you are the only person who gets to read that letter. And it is from the person who formerly wore the number 10 jersey. And you can see through their eyes and their thoughts, their emotions, their feelings, what it meant to play for BMCC, what it meant to play for Coach Helmick, what it meant to play for you know soccer, what it meant to wear that number 10 jersey and what they went through. It could be anywhere from one page to several pages. And this program allows these girls you know, here at BMCC to realize that it's not just the people in that room. Everyone's reading a letter from someone different and you probably might never meet them before or you might be meeting the person who wrote your letter who's still on that team. But you might, but realize that there are girls and people who came before you and did so much more. They built the foundation that allowed you to be here today. I mean, they put in all that effort. They got the wins. They suffered the losses for you, this program to continue to grow, to continue to be competitive and continue to be better than they were the day before and to make history. And each one of these girls this year, I know this year is more emotional than ever before when they read those letters because they realized that in a COVID world and when they have to be basically just around, you know, the 20 girls that are here, they're not alone. They have an entire family of people who came before them, girls that have worn the number 12, the number 10, number nine, eight, you know, all the entire number spectrum that came before them. And even some girls who were so moved that they wanted to meet their person. They wanted to meet who was that former number 24, or number 12. And so I, they were like, coach, I have to meet them. How do I meet them? I'm like, well, they're at a four-year school now playing college soccer. They're, you can't, they can't just drive down to Pelton again. And so I ended up setting them up with a surprise FaceTimes or Zoom with some of their some of their pen pals that formerly wore their numbers. And they spent hours just talking to them and asking them, how did you survive double days? How did you do this? How did you do that? And getting advice. And as freshmen, I mean, you're bright eyed. You have no idea what to expect. Right. And it's it's shocking. But it's as simple as just a letter. It's it's words and hearing from those that came before you. And that's how we build that family here. And it, it's pretty effective. How did you learn about the letter thing? So I kind of, I, you know, over the years, I, I, I take bits and pieces of, of coaches that have coached me or, you know, I, I learned from traveling around, you know, the, the U.S. from L.A., Philadelphia and whatnot and, and kind of see what other traditions other teams have done. 
And I wanted to find a way to really, uh, you know, make it clear that this family is more than just what you see here. I mean, it runs much deeper. And, and it's not just the girls, it's also the coaches and, and, and everyone else, you know, we're, we're going to give you everything we got. And, um, and so I kind of came up with a way that I'm like, oh, a letter, have them write a letter to the person who's going to come next. And, and honestly, it just, it was born from there. They just, the girls just started writing a letter and I didn't stop them. And once they seal that envelope, no one is allowed to read that letter or view it or anything that's going to be inside. It could be good. It could be bad. You know, I, I try and give the girls kind of, you know, some structure about it. I'm like, here's what I, here's what your letter should be yeah. about. Where you go from there, that's all you. And once you hand me that sealed envelope, I take it right down to the locker room and wow. it stays there until August 1st. Yeah. And it's had more of an impact and brought these girls closer together because yeah. whenever they're having a hard day or they miss something, I'm like, go back and read your letter. I was like, and I guarantee you, you're not the only person who ever went through this. I can guarantee you the former girl who wore number 10 went through something very similar. Yeah. That's crazy. Dude. That's that's pretty cool. I wish I wish more programs would do that. I, this is the first time I hear about that. It's kind of cool. Um, so, I do have a thing. I kind of was thinking about. So, obviously, we played in a different era. Mm -hmm. I could just imagine how this COVID thing like is hard on some of those players and, and programs. How much effect did it? Like, when is your when did you start recruiting for? Did like all your recruiting class come, or some can some like quit because of COVID or or stuff like that? Like, how did that affect your program? Like yeah, or passion, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it, it, um, so I ended up, so I started the recruiting class of what would be the class of 2020, um, with the total roster of 26, mm -hmm. um, COVID hit in mid March. Okay. And the entire country shut down. I went from pretty, pretty slowly. Luckily I had all my recruiting done prior to that. I, I, I like to finish it pretty quickly because with my other job, um, and just spring training, you know, I, I want to get a jump on it. So I do most of mine in the, in the fall during soccer season, um, when we're not playing games or on the road or, and especially during December, January. Yeah. And so we had all our athletes signed. Um, so we had 26 when COVID hit by the end of May, early June, we dropped down to 24, um, end of June to 22 and started oh, season okay. that arrived at 19, 19, 20. I guess that's so, kind of fair for those who want more playing time in a sense too, you know? I, no, I mean, it definitely showed those. And especially, I mean, I'm very, very fair in the sense that, look, I want to share the money around. I mean, there's only so much athletic scholarship yeah. money we're allowed to give, right? And so, you know, for these girls, I tell them like, look, if the money's, if when you commit, I mean, it shows me you're committed to what's going on. And once more money becomes available, it's yours. You show me you're committed, you do the right things, you come in, you, you know, you, you do the homework, you get the grades, you, you bust your butt at practice, everything like that. Yes, the money will come to you. And um, when those other girls left, more money became available. We got more girls on scholarship and, and, I'm, and I'm like, look, you want more money? Prove it. I was like, now show me on the field how bad you want it. And it'll show through your play. You know, if you slack, you don't come in fit, it shows me you don't want it bad enough. I was like, but you show me you're fit and you want that playing time and you want a starting spot, that'll, that'll show me too. Yeah. It'll show me I can spend more, my, more athletic scholarship money on you. It'll show me that you're invested in what you are doing here. And I can tell you right now, honestly, man, these girls this year in this class right now at BMCC, this group that is still here, that has fought through all this adversity, all of COVID, done all the quarantine, they are bought in, they are bought into this family, and they are absolutely doing absolutely incredible, amazing things. This group is one to watch, I'll tell you what. Dude, I mean, come watch a game. I need to at least at some point. You need to, man. It's been too long. I know. I mean, I've been out there for a while. 
Because I live in, down in Arizona. I'm nearby yeah. Mexico, dude. I'm like an hour away from Mexico. I'm in Tucson. So, <laughs> um, which is University of Arizona is here too. They have a women's program too. Yeah. But um, I was going to ask you <laughs> as far as like, you know, development when it comes to like strength, how much does strength and, and power go into the development of your athletes? Because obviously I'm a graduate in, in strength and conditioning. Yeah. And what I've learned and something I didn't know growing up as a kid or even in college, because we didn't we didn't really have a strength program when we got to EOU either because it was a brand new program. Yeah. I know they do yeah. now. Um, how much does that go into, you know, the pre- either that's preparation or the recovery or how do you like have them, you know, train for performance for your athletes? No, absolutely. I, one of the biggest things um, that I still try and learn that I feel like I can't learn enough about is is the is the body you know and and trust me i mean as you and i both know it can yeah i mean it'll take a lot but you got to take care of it along the way i mean we only got one body and so you know very early on when the girls first sign and we get them into our team chat and all that i mean it's it's very early on I, i one thing that i cannot stress about enough is making sure that the girls properly hydrate stretch you know, flexibility is probably one of the most important parts because if you are tight and you are trying to work out tight, you are going to tear something. Yeah. Uh, and especially girls. I mean, the, the percentage of, of girls that tear ACLs or anything, I mean, the the, the rate of injury in, in women is much higher than, oh, ACL, yeah. all of it. And it's a insane. It, yeah. Especially for females, since you're coaching females, a lot of it has to do with the muscular imbalance compared to males because yeah. males are going to be more predominantly stronger. But uh, for females, there's a, it's a lot of like lower body movements and power movements in the lower uh, area compared to absolutely. core. Core plays a lot into soccer, too, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, <laughs> I do have a question for you to kind of wrap it up. But um, what would you say to those? Because obviously they're now the way I see soccer or youth soccer, there's a lot more like 10 times more opportunity to whether it become pro play college. Um, whatever route might be, I feel like there's more opportunity for young athletes to make a career, I guess, out, out of soccer compared mm-hmm. to when we grew up. Because I feel like we were kind of in that era where like eh, it's starting to develop into something. Yeah. But now we're in that back end where start, I start to see it because uh, there's like, you know, your youth clubs, there's, you know, bigger coaches, there's different programs. Obviously, you said the, the, the conference is adding two more teams to the conference, obviously, because it's growing. Right. Yeah. Um, what would you say to those? We're talking in particular to maybe people who are looking to transfer to another community college or those that are in high school that are looking for a program to go play at. Um, I, I've heard a lot of athletes, especially here in Tucson, which is crazy to me, that they don't want to play for like community colleges. I, and I know Pima Community College, which is in Tucson, is yeah. huge. It's like a, one, one of the biggest you know, ones in the nation um, for their conference. I think they're, they're actually really good. But... Um, Besides that, like they're not open to go play at other small schools. They're looking at those bigger, you know, bigger clubs or bigger schools. What would you say to those athletes who are like close minded of like, oh, I don't want to play for a school like Blue Mountain, for example. Right. Nothing to knock off out of your program, but I'm just giving you. An yeah, no. um, what would you say to those athletes who are just like, well, that's just that's just a school, you know, playing CBC or, or whatever it may be. I want to go play at Pacific Lutheran. I want to go play at, you know, Gonzaga, whatever it may be. What would you say to those athletes, how a school like yours and. Obviously, I played in community college before I went to, to a university, and I don't regret anything at all. But what would you what would you say to those? Because it is a different path. But what does that path really bring to those athletes that compared to those who might go to a big school and sit out for two years because they get no playing time? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I would say, I mean, and uh, I mean, I can go this a couple different ways. I can say, first and foremost, you got there's a point in your life where you got to look at, do you want to end up paying a ton of bills and the, the tuition rates continue to skyrocket at four-year universities? You got to look at financially. Is it a smart decision for you? Not just the soccer wise, you know, and yes, everyone wants to play for the, the big D1s and the big schools, you know, because that's the dream, right? Yeah. That's not everyone's direct path. Now, are you content with riding the bench for those one, two, three years. You're going to ride the bench unless you're absolutely you're right. And and you got to realize that that grind, you are going to have days where you absolutely hate it. And so, but looking at it at a community college to a four year, I mean, your first two years are going to be the exact same. And whether you're at a four year or a two year, but you can save a ton of money at a community college, especially a college like Blue Mountain Community College. You think about it. I mean, at a four year, your first two years, you're spending, you know, an absolute ton of money as a freshman. Almost all freshmen have to live in the dorms. You're looking at roughly about 10 grand right there. Yeah. On top of that, you're looking at probably 10 to 15 grand in tuition per year. Now, at a community college, you're probably topping out for one year total at six grand. Yeah, about to say six and to seven grand, yeah. Six to seven grand. And that's not including off-campus living because most community colleges don't have a dorm life. Yeah. Um, I mean, dorms in general are, are the, the part of the bill that I feel like a lot of people forget about because they're like, oh, like it's just... Get it, money off of the... That's exact, what money off of you, dude. <laughs> exactly. It's the dorms. It's that hidden, you know, little uh, sub, you know, bottom terms and conditions that we don't ever read. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the dorms. And that's where I think a lot of students catch that. I mean, like, trust me, the development, getting on the field, playing at a community college where you know you're going to get your playing time is going to be so much more worth it in your long-term development and your ability to become a better soccer player. And it's going to open up more pathways, more networking, everything than riding the bench for your first two to three years at a four-year university. Yeah, and we can give a good example, and I don't think people will get buttered. We're talking about the guys that we played with. Yeah. So when we came in, like especially like me, Ozzy, Freddie, Edgar, who already had played at you know big schools in in the in the conference where we played at um and then transferring over to you know the the school like eou and that conference that they played at you can tell the development that we had compared to those freshmen that they, those those um what is it called the the regular freshmen that came in like yeah. the natural freshmen um compared to those that were going to go play in that conference for four years you could just see like night and day the development like the way we thought the way we passed the way we you know basically got in your head compared to those younger athletes. And even at a conference, you could you can tell when we played other schools with that me, Ozzy, and all them had played together for a couple of years already because we knew exactly what we were doing. And so yeah. that, that kind of helped us play in the conference and kind of build that team a little bit better. But I, I, I agree with you, dude. Like, you save so much money because I went to community college and I, I lived at home for one of the years and then I lived with a bunch of roommates. Mm -hmm. um, and then EOU was super cheap too. Uh, yeah. compared to other universities too, which I, I think it's I think it's one of the most important things. Like, hey, if you don't have a full ride scholarship or a sixty five percent scholarship, it might not be worth it to go play. Because some some of these people need to realize too, like going to a smaller school, a lot of these coaches are good coaches. They just don't have twenty years of experience to go, you know, coach at Duke or go coach at UCLA. Exactly. Those coaches are not young coaches that are just recently grads. They need to go put the time somewhere like Blue Mountain Community College. And then transfer somewhere. That's usually how it happens. You just need the experience. But a lot of, doesn't mean that those coaches aren't good or that program isn't good. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, man. Absolutely. But we're going to wrap it up. 
Jordan, thank you so much for your time today, man. Hopefully we can get you on in a couple months later as well, talk about your program, see how it's going. But anything else you want to tell out to, to the to the crowd and, and the viewers and, and listeners out there? No, nah, man. I think you were at, you know, one thing I want to say is I think you were absolutely doing a great job with this podcast. It's been a joy. I mean, I, I miss you, bro. I, I, we played a lot of great, you know, years together and, and I, I miss seeing you around and, you know, for everyone else, if you're looking at that community college realm and you want to play at that next level, shoot me an email, Blue Mountain Community College, women's soccer, continue to grow, continue to make history. And trust me, you know, for those athletes growing up, spend the time in the weight room, spend the time, you know, working, you know, stretching a little bit of yoga. Trust me, it will go a long ways. Take care of your body. The development you will see is going to be night and day. And for those who need a program, hit your boy up because I can help you out. So yeah. <laughs> Jordan, thank you, man. Uh, you're welcome, man. It's great to have you. Thank you. Peace out, everybody.